Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of the First Generations podcast, where we dive into inspiring stories and unique experiences of first-generation college graduates. So today, I have had the pleasure of communicating with a man who has truly done it all. He has been so kind to communicate his journeys, triumphs, and challenges, shedding light on the path to higher education and beyond. Today, we'll be diving into the journey of Angel Garcia, an individual who has overcome the hardships he has faced and is now a well-connected and passionate for making an impact and real change in the community. So if you are a first-generation student, an aspiring graduate, or simply curious about the power of determination, you are definitely in the right place. So sit back, pop in some earphones, and yeah, let's just get right into it. Awesome. Let's get started. So enough about me, enough about all of this. I would love to hear about you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I feel like you barely told me anything about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but that I mean, I really I think it's really cool. The like the, the diversity of the edu- of the degree you're pursuing to have an experience in business, but also pursuing communication and computer science. I think that's going to make you very competitive in the workforce. And I look forward to see what you do next. But just a little bit about me. My name's uh, Angel Garcia. I grew up in La Colonia in Oxnard, lifelong resident there. But as I've recently been moving all throughout Ventura County, I graduated CSUCI in 2019 with a degree in communication with an emphasis in organizational communication. My first job uh, after California State University, Channel Islands, I worked for State Senator Hannabeth Jackson. I was there for almost two years. Uh, she termed out of office going towards 2021. And soon after, my good friend and colleague, uh, Carmen Ramirez, ran for County, Ventura County Supervisor for the 5th District. She was victorious, and she honored me with asking me to being a part of her staff. So I accepted and I worked for Supervisor Ramirez for about two years. And unfortunately, Supervisor Ramirez tragically passed away last year in August. So we're approaching the year anniversary of that. So currently I am working for Supervisor VNA Lopez, who was a former Oxnard City Council member, known Supervisor Lopez for many years. And I am very thrilled and honored to work with her. And I'm very happy to see her to be the appointee from the governor to be the appointee to serve out the rest of Supervisor Ramirez's term. So I've been here at the county now, approaching three years now. So I've been through a lot here at the county. It's been quite a ride. It's been a significant period of growth and development personally and professionally. I did not expect this role to put me through so much, but I'm very honored to have had this opportunity to work for such an incredible figure like Supervisor Ramirez, like Senator Hannibeth Jackson, and to be working for an incredible young Latina role model like Supervisor Lopez. I mean, it was such an honor this this past graduation, I think like in May, both my bosses were recognized and given honorary doctorates. I mean, Senator Hannibeth Jackson got an honorary doctorate and Supervisor Ramirez was 
post humorously, humorously, I always mispronounce it, but she also got a, a um, she also got an honorary PhD as well. So it was so great to see incredible female leaders that I had the honor to work for both be recognized by the university because of their roles in creating and developing the university. So that's just brief summary about my career. That's amazing. I'm very grateful you've had such an amazing professional journey already. Like that is, that sounds stressful. Don't get me wrong, but that sounds quite amazing. Um, <laughs> it's definitely yeah. been stressful for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, so that begs me to ask, what motivated you to pursue this path or just start this career for the council? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Sophia. It was interesting because while while I was pursuing my degree at CSUCI, I was working as a delivery boy for Topper's Pizza, and I was very involved in the community. I was, at the time, I was vice chair of my local neighborhood council. I was a commissioner for the city of Oxnard, and I was very involved in local volunteer groups and clubs. And I, I didn't know that at the, while I was, I've been involved in the community since 2017 or so, and I didn't know that you could work for an elected official. Originally, I wanted to go to school and work for a business. You know, and it's funny enough, my original, my original major was actually business management, but I didn't like it. So, and then that's when I, that's when I changed my major to communication because I really enjoyed the field of study. And I'm pretty lucky and grateful that I ended up where I am today because I did it, the my first job with Senator Hannibeth Jackson just kind of happened. It was through a connection and I I had learned when I got hired, I did an event with CSUCI. I did a town hall with my colleague Christian Ramirez who's doing an incredible work right now. We did a town hall focusing on homelessness in partnership with the sociology department. And sen Senator Hannibeth Jackson had sent one of her staff members to the town hall. So I, I thought that was great. It was a great opportunity for the senator to see the work that we as university students were doing. And as I was job searching, I had it had been brought to my attention that the senator needed a district representative specifically with more focus in Oxnard. They brought me in for an interview and I got in. And since since then, it's just been it's just been great. I, I'm very fortunate and very lucky to be where I am today. Very fortunate. So it, it kind of just happened. I, I didn't think I would be where I am today. And this was certainly not my intention when I was graduating school, I didn't think I was going to work for elected representatives and had and have such a hand in local government. But it, it it sort of happened, and I'm truly grateful. Truly grateful. That's that is an incredible story. Really, the stars aligned, and you were able to showcase your strengths and your talents, and you are where you are today. That's that is amazing. Um, wow. Uh, so. My next question actually is, did your background as first generation as a first generation student influence any of the choices or any specific factors play a role with it? So this is including where you went to school, the profession that you're in today, or just the major that you majored in? I think 
my experience as a first-generation student, I think there was more factors involved, especially upon reflection, especially in terms of awareness and, and knowledge about the programs and the resources that were available. In reflection, I feel that when I was in high school transitioning towards upper education, I feel that there weren't as many resources available as there is today. What's the great the great thing about being in my role is I get to see the expansion of these resources for first generation students like you and I. And when I see these students getting these scholarships and having access to all this, I'm like, darn, I wish I would have had this when I was in high school. But my education journey was very rocky. I remember in high school, I wasn't very, I wasn't a very ambitious guy. I didn't even think about going to college. I didn't even know how applying for college would look like. And luckily, I had friends. It was my friends at the time that really kind of guided me to, to know what the resources were. They, they took me to workshops and everything. And I applied to a bunch of colleges and I got into CSUN and I did not do well at CSUN. I was very irresponsible. I got into academic probation and I had to come back and work full time to pay off the money that I had owed to CSUN. Even though I had got financial aid and grants, the grants weren't enough to cover my, my room and board and my tuition and all the resources I needed. And of course, my family, we didn't have the financial resources to support me. So it, I only did one year at CSUN and I had to come back home, work a full-time job, pay off the money that I owed to CSUN just for my room and board. And majority of my debt right now as a student comes from that one year at CSUN, from that one year. And then from there, I just went to Ventura College I was not liking it. I wasn't very enthusiastic about education. And then I transferred to Oxnard College because I was getting really tired of driving to Ventura College and not liking the courses I was taking. And then I took a communication class, interpersonal communication with this professor named Dr. Amy Edwards, who I credit with much of my success today. Amy Edwards is just such a beacon of hope and energy and inspiration. She is a phenomenal educator. She has inspired so many of my colleagues. When I I look at all the people that she has influenced and they're and they're doing a great an incredible job. So it, it's it's just so awesome to see what an influence a great educator can do to a student's life, especially to a first generation student. And after taking a course with, with Dr. Edwards, I changed my major. And at CSUCI, that's when I made sure to not mess it up. And I made sure to be aware of all the resources. So at the time, I did my diligence in really looking into the resources. But I understand that as a first-generation student, you're you're kind of you're kind of going in almost blind sometimes. You you that guidance is very important. You kind of do need handholding so they can show you which resources are available to you because unless you're looking for it, you won't find it sometimes. But I do feel that our education system has done a much better job in getting the word out there of what resources are available, especially to 
first-generation students? Yeah, so first to touch base on it, despite of all of the obstacles at CSUN, you, I hope you're so proud of yourself for just doing it anyways. Like that, it takes a lot. So that's one. Two, um, you're definitely right about the resources um, statement because at least for me, I had no idea about the resources um, offered at CSUCI until people from those departments actively came into like classrooms or your job department and just expressed how important it is to utilize these resources. So thank you for touching base on that. Um, that's actually a be beautiful segue for the next um, question, which is, do you feel as if you were equipped with the appropriate resources to succeed in life after university? I do. I feel that CSUCI has done a really good job at preparing students for the next steps, especially when it comes to job searching, resume building, cover letter, and internships. I think they've done a really good job, especially with the career fair they've been having and the presence of the university and local governments and the partnerships that they've created. I think that part, I think CSUCI is really ahead of the game, especially here locally in Ventura County in creating partnerships with the community and with our local governments. One of one thing I will give credit for CSUCI was because of their partnerships, I got to see something come full circle. I remember when I was working for Senator Hannibeth Jackson, Assemblymember Jackie Irwin got state funding for an early education childhood resource center at CSUCI that's currently in development. And it, it was a big deal. I got to attend on behalf of the senator, see the presentation and see what that resource center is doing for students that are pursuing education in that field for early childhood education and the opportunities that are there for it while also providing childcare for, for students that have children and also the local community members. And they, but they wanted to expand it. They had out, the university had outgrown their current location so what was great was when I was working with Supervisor Ramirez, we as the county, we received what's called American Rescue Plan Act funding, which was federal legislation passed by the Biden administration to give funds to local governments to expand on programs that would kind of help recover from the pandemic. And childcare is one of the most severely impacted fields from the pandemic. So, supervise, so Supervisor Ramirez worked hand in hand with the university to get them funding from the American Rescue Plan Act to help develop the, the, early, child, the early childhood education center. So it was so great and it was such an honor to work with, with Supervisor Ramirez in getting funds for the university, my former school, and to have such a role in that project. And I think that's what CSUCI is. That's a testament to how successful CSUCI has been doing in terms of creating those partnerships. My one feedback, what my one feedback I think I would give CSUCI, especially to communication students, I do think there needs to be more mentorship in terms of what to do when you're in the career, especially in terms of communication within the organization in and of itself, especially when it comes to making reports, how to write appropriate emails, scheduling, kind of more of that basic 
expertise that you need once you get into a role because many jobs may not be so I would say patient perhaps I think they haven't under I think a lot of jobs currently expect students to already know these things but sometimes they don't especially if you're a first generation student if you're a first gen student and you get into a professional workplace it's a very different field it can be very intimidating so i i would say that i would like to see more professional development and how we can better prepare students once they get into the field the resume and the cover letter is just one part of the equation I definitely think that there's others that other ways that it can be improved, but that doesn't take away from the incredible progress that CSUCI has made. I mean, it's the long, it's the youngest university in the state system, and there's so much room for growth and improvement. And I think what the university is doing is incredible. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for CSUCI and the resources. So I think they can only continue to expand and build on the great work that they're already doing. Yeah, thank you for touching base on that. So I'm sure you already know we have a career center. We have, um, we just have so many resources. Um, we have the Writing and Multiliteracy Center, mm -hmm. but you said it. I don't believe that the writing emails or knowing how to schedule efficiently and effectively, like let's say through Outlook, um, is really is really talked about on on campus. So I think that's a very good, a very good addition. Especially with Excel, I, I've noticed that a lot of students in our field, surprisingly, I've seen communication majors get into fields that require accounting, and that requires significant Excel experience. Granted, we as students, we can put in that work and take extra courses and stuff, but I do think that would make CCCI very competitive and very appealing to students if they have some sort of preparation courses, especially for first gen, you know, sometimes first generation students, we get so caught up with having to work a job while also going to school. So we kind of have this dependency on our education to kind of guide us and mentor us to prepare us for the work field. But sometimes we need more, especially if that workplace is so different than what we're used to. But I love the multi-literacy program. I love the career center. I was in the career center so many times. I had so many Zoom interviews to and mock interviews. I, I'm such a big fan of the career center. They do an incredible job and yeah. their staff there is just incredible. Yeah, they're brilliant. Yeah. So thank you for touching base on that. Like what makes me stand out as opposed to my competitor? So yeah. Excel is a, a it is it is tough, but once you do find out how to use it, it everything kind of just blends together. There's endless amounts of things that you could do on Excel. So thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> so it's evident how accomplished you've been with the city and how successful you are in the workforce and making a change within your profession. Um, regarding joining, joining the workforce, how was your experience understanding organizational culture and immersing yourself in this new journey? You got it. So j just to clarify, Sophia, I work for the county, which I do under, I get it. It's totally confusing. <laughs> there, there are many, there's many levels of local government. You know, you can work for a local school district. You could work for a water district. You can work for a city government. So I work for the county government, 
So the county government oversees many over 26 agencies within the county, like healthcare, the hospital system. So the Ventura County Medical Center, that's under the county's umbrella of agencies and departments that's overseen. Uh, behave, the behavioral health department, we have an agricultural department, our airports, all of that's under the county. So the county is, is quite a behemoth. We have 10,000 employees that serve over 800,000 residents. So the county does a lot. And we have over a $2 billion budget that of how we allocate our taxpayer resources. So we we at the county, we, we do a lot and we do great work. But it, as far as being a first-gen student and kind of transitioning into that professional workplace, I would say I had a rude awakening. I To give you a great example, my first job working for Senator Hannibeth Jackson, I worked with a very small team. I had my district director, my deputy district director, and two other colleagues. So it was like a team of five or four, but I was coming into there with a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm and passion, which is great. But when you're in a field of government, especially when you're working with an elected, you're a representation of that elected. So you cannot speak for the elected. You're just there to listen and inform and bring back that information for the elected. So Senator Hannibeth Jackson did not waste any time in hobbling me and putting me in my place. And I am so grateful for that. I learned so much from the Senator. I really learned how to manage my energy better and to be a more effective staff member to her. And I also got a lot of knowledge and mentorship from my district director, James Joyce, and my deputy district director, Patty Quiros. And I remember, I think my first week on the job, when I was writing back emails and reports, I was writing it like a college essay. And my district director was like, nah, that's not happening. You're, this is not how you're writing. He gave me a book called The Art of Style by William and by Shrunk and White. And it's it's a very tiny book. I really recommend it, Sophia, if you want to improve your writing. It's a really easy read and it's really good. And it kind of just teaches you on how to become a better writer. And I feel that in reading that, it helped me become a better writer overall, but also in communicating in the workplace because there is a certain style of communication in the workplace. Everyone is so busy everyone is so booked you the the one quote i would tell you that i feel really defines the workplace is less is more less is more you want to try to say more while writing and saying less as possible you got to get you got to be brief you got to be straight to the point because everyone's time is valuable and it's precious so you have to say as much as you can but make it brief and efficient so that book really helped me communicate more efficiently and to kind of say what I needed to say much more faster and efficiently. So I, I definitely think that was one of the, the places where I struggled with writing, with how to communicate. Sometimes I would just like run and zoom, zoom, zoom. But, you know, over time and practice, I become much more effective of just getting straight to the point and briefing and I feel that I've become much more patient than I was three years ago. And I've become much more better listener. 
And it's all through the experience that I've had in this role working in state and county government. Thank you for that recommendation. I will definitely, I will probably buy it today, honestly. Nice. Um, <laughs> but you also, you also mentioned Amy Edwards, a professor that you had. Um, so we'll now be transitioning more into the academic portion of this interview. <clears throat> so were there any professors or mentors during your time in the humanities area of study who significantly impacted your intellectual development? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Sophia. I would definitely give credit to Dr. Edwards. She probably had the most significant role in my educational journey. She is my inspiration. I give her so much credit as much as possible. And I make sure to thank her each time I see her. I always love running into her when I go to events at Oxnard College. So I would definitely say Dr. Amy Edwards. At CSUCI, I give a lot of credit to Professor Henchy. Professor Henchy is a very challenging professor. And I like that. I think that's good. I think it's good that we as students are challenged. I know it could be stressful. But I do think that when we're challenged is when we experience the most growth. And I really commend Professor Henchy for challenging her students. I don't know if she still does that, that cultural class where you have to write that big paper, but that paper was probably one of my most proudest projects that I've ever done. I, I'm, I still reflect on that. I, it was so much work, but I'm really proud of it because how many people get an A in that and it's a big deal if you do and I got an A because I put in a lot of work on that it, it was a great project I would say Professor Henchy and Professor Catherine Soltis she was my first professor in my first year for my 8 a.m class I think she taught us and kind of like an intro to communication course but it had to do more so with the workplace I felt that class was very valuable I almost feel like that should there should be different levels to that course. I think that was her only year teaching it, I think. But Catherine Soltis was is just so friendly. She's just so nice. She brought in great speakers to the class. One of her speakers was an HR professional. And the HR professional said something to us that I'll never forget. And is that your first job will not be your dream job. And and she and to expand on that, the HR professional I can't re remember her name was saying that you you when to get to your dream job you need to develop the expertise before you can get there. I think sometimes we as students you know, we shoot for the stars we want to be the CEO we want to be this and that but there is some there is growth and development and expertise that's needed before you can get there. So I really like how she emphasized on building there. And that and and how okay that is. I think, and then Dr. Chen. Dr. Chen is awesome. I love Dr. Chen. I really like her focus on qualitative analysis. And her courses were always fun, always engaging. She, she, Dr. Chen is an example of less is more. She's really good at communicating effectively, and the materials that she provides you are very efficient. So I, I really, I really appreciate Dr. Chen. So yeah, in summary, Dr. Amy Edwards, Professor Henchy, Catherine Soltis, and Dr. Chen. Thank you. I am 
taking notes so I can go on and see what classes they offer then. Um, I love how much detail you remember about these professors. Like, for example, your 8 a.m. class during your freshman year. I personally could not tell you what classes I took <laughs> my freshman year, my first semester at 8 a.m. So I think that just goes to show how much of an impact they made. And yeah, when, when you do a lot of work on something, yes, it's stressful. Yes, you might have a lot of sleepless nights, but you're proud. You want to subtly like hold it up like, hey, guys, look at this 10-page paper. I did that, and I got an A. So It was, I think my final my final page count was close to 30. It was like a 28 page. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it wow. was, pretty, it was, yeah, it was pretty brutal. And that's not, that's <laughs> not counting my citation pages. So it was probably in total, like oh, over 30. It's funny, Sophia, you're right. I, I could remember my teachers from first grade up until now. I, I can oh. go through the whole period of classes and teachers that I've had. It, it Education plays such a vital role in our upbringing and lives. I mean, yes. We, we spend majority of our lives in, in the classroom. And I think that's why it's important that we advocate for education and that we advocate for enthusiastic and passionate teachers if we want to have the most impact on our students. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, that is that is still very a very good talent. You've definitely had a good bunch from first grade to now, wow. Um, but also tying with academics, there's also the extracurricular activities portion of just being in college and immersing yourself within higher education. So did you participate in any extracurricular activities or organizations? So these include part-time jobs, um, internships, or just clubs that helped shape your career path. Yeah, great question, Sophia. So while I was a student at CSUCI, I was working a full-time job as a delivery driver at Topper's Pizza. So when I wasn't in school and I wasn't working, I was a commissioner for the cultural arts, not it's the community relations committee. Yeah, I was a commissioner for the community relations committee for the city of Oxnard. I was vice chair of the East Village Neighborhood Council, which was the neighborhood that I lived in at the time. I was very involved in my local Democratic club in Oxnard. Let's see what else. I was also the commissioner on the Measure O Oversight Committee for the city of Oxnard. And then I was also the chair of recruitment at the communications club at CSUCI. So I was also involved on campus and played kind of a minor role in that. But it was, it was fun. I do think I gained a lot in those extracurriculars, I think it adds a lot of value to your educational experience. And I feel it makes you very competitive too in the workplace because when you add those extracurriculars to your resume, that shows that in addition to your education, there's more to you than just that, that you were a servant leader, that you were out in your community or you pursued more. And I think that it, it demonstrates your work ethic and your capacity. It shows that, wow, Sophia did this and that. I'm sure they can be very reliable when it comes to have to managing multiple tasks at a time, multiple projects at a time. So I think showing the extracurriculars when you're job searching is very valuable and very key and crucial. And I, I'm very, I'm very fortunate to have been able to do all my extracurriculars, 
was stressful. Yes, it was overwhelming at times, but I enjoyed what I was doing. I enjoyed what I was doing. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It would. I remember just those crazy days when I would go to school. I would hop on the bus, go to Oxford College, drive to City Hall for my commissioners, and then the next day go to school, chill at the library, and develop an agenda for my neighborhood council. It was a lot. It was a lot, but it was fun. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm very glad you found enjoyment in that. That's really cool. Um, multitasking is definitely something that's, that is definitely a talent. So um, I noticed out of your answer that you have a lot of leadership roles. So going into all of these leadership roles, did you have um, that motive in mind? Like, okay, I want to build my resume or did you genuinely find like really a lot of enjoyment in it? I, I found a lot of enjoyment in it and it's, it's really cool. So as you start becoming involved in your local community, you start to build rapport with a lot of your fellow community members, but also your fellow, but not your fellow, but your elected officials. So through my work in the city of Oxnard, I developed a really good relationship with the city council and members of the city staff. And it's really cool. It Based on what you do, your city council member can actually reach out to you and say, hey, I need an appointee for this commission. Would you be the representative for this district at this commission? So at the time when I was on the on the Measure O Oversight Committee and on the Community Relations Committee, my council member, council member Oscar Madrigal, had asked me to be on the commissions for for the district. I'm like, absolutely, of course, I'll I'll do that. And that and it's really cool. It's it's really cool. It, and and that's what's great too. It, it it makes it makes that look good too on your resume that if you get involved in your community and you start to build rapport with your electeds and you were and you were assigned to a commission sometimes those community those commissions can be pretty significant and have committees play a very a very vital role in our in our space for example a planning commission let's say sophia you want to open a business right you have to go through the planning department at your local city. You have to get all the appropriate permits. But sometimes, based on the magnitude of your project, you have to go through what's called the planning commission. And the planning commission is people from the community that are signed by their council member. And before that project can even go to the electeds for final review and approval, they have to go first through the planning commission. So you have to do all those steps sometimes based on what you're doing as a as a business to get there. So it, it's they, these commissions play a very vital role. So if you have some sort of commission that you've served on or some sort of extracurricular, it only adds value to you as someone who's looking for a job. So and, and it adds and it it just grants you so much expertise. And gives you great experience too, especially communicating on a dais. I mean, as a first-gen student, it was very intimidating to be in those spaces, but I, I've kind of had gotten used to it at that point of, of how to navigate those spaces because I had been so accustomed to it, just navigating through it throughout throughout my career. So it, it's I, I think it adds a lot of value. And if there's any students that want to pursue getting involved in the community. I'm always happy to help with that and help guide them on that. 
I, I think it's needed. We as youth and young people, I think it's our responsibility to be civically engaged. It, it always bums me out when our local governments are making decisions and we don't see so much turnout from our young people. Like for example, the city of Oxnard, we actually are, we are a very young city, which means out of the population of 200,000 that we have, majority of those are young people, 18 and above. We're a very young city. And I, I, my, my dream is to see more young people get civically engaged. And I try my best in my role to inform my friends, just, just like that, just inform my friends of what's going on. It, it, it's hard because we as young people, we do so much, you know, we're, we're looking for that job, we're going to school, we're working full-time jobs. And by the time you get off of work, you just want to go home and eat, watch Netflix and knock out. You're like, I don't want to look at what my city council is doing. I just want to go to sleep. So it could, <laughs> it could definitely be a lot, but I do think being civically engaged is important. Yeah, I truly could not agree more. And I love this talk of how infusing yourself within all of these organizations and committees um, pretty much just add value to yourself, but they also allow you to engage with so many other people. And like you said, build so many connections, which thank you so much for doing this because you're doing it quite a bit today. Um, you are building that bridge into my next question. So um what kind of challenges did you find building networks and connections within your field as a first generation college student? Mm, that that that's a really good question. Networking is such a crucial piece when it comes to job searching and and getting to where you want to be in terms of your career. It's very interesting to navigate it as a first gen student because it's it's very unclear or uncertain how to do it, right? I mean, you can do the basic stuff on connecting on LinkedIn, but then where do you go from there? You can only go so much. And then at CSUCI and the Career Resource Center, they actually did a really good job of preparing me for that. For example, after I graduated CSUCI, I was heavily considering going to law school. So when I was at the Career Resource Center, I was kind of telling them what I was thinking while looking for a full-time job at the time. They were they were just recommending, yeah, go on LinkedIn, collect, connect with, with local attorneys, take them out to lunch, take them out for a coffee, just to connect with them. Because Sophia, the, if there's one thing I've learned is that many people enjoy talking about themselves. <laughs> so you, you, if, you, if you treat someone out to lunch and you wanna learn more about their career, or if they have a career that interests you and some and it's something you want to learn about, I think that it's very valuable taking them out for a coffee, taking them out for lunch, maybe doing a Zoom call, doing a Zoom chat and learning about their career, how they got there, what obstacles that they faced, what type of education did they get. That stuff is very important and it helps create a good network. It, it was really cool. I remember when I got into a leadership academy I met two people that I had taken out for lunches because I would I they were attorneys and I wanted to connect with them. They're like, oh, Angel, where'd you end up? And I told them where I ended up. They're like, oh, my goodness, we're so happy for you. And in, in addition to that, part of also networking is taking advantage of what's around you. If you're when you once you start to get and under I, I and for this, I think Facebook is very is very helpful. 
when you're in Facebook and you start connecting to a bunch of the local groups that are around, a lot of those local groups do events. They do a lot of mixers. And those are great opportunities for you to go out there and connect. So for example, when I was looking into law school, I went to an, a mixer at our local colleges of law school that we have in Ventura, went there, connected with a bunch of attorneys. And then I went to a mixer for the Ventura County Leadership Academy before I got in there, connected with local attorneys there, connected with local housing rights activists. It, it was cool. Those were great experiences. And, and it could be for now for a first gen student, I could definitely see how it could be difficult. At the time when I was starting to do that, I had, like I said before, I was already kind of accustomed to it. I was already kind of learned how to navigate those spaces. But when you're a first gen student, and let's say you just, just do your full-time job and you just go to school, and now you're in that job search, it could be kind of hard. It could, especially to communicate it could be also very nerve wracking. You know what I mean? It, it's, it could be, I could genuinely see how it can be difficult for a, gen, a first gen student to do that because you're unsure how to navigate that. Like, how does that conversation look like? What questions do you ask? You know what I mean? And I definitely think that mentorship and guidance is key. And that's why I'm very grateful to the Career Resource Center because I definitely think they do a good job of prepping you for that. Just having sample questions, having mock interviews, so I definitely think network building is very key, but I can also see the intimidation factor and the uncertainty on how to develop that as a first-gen student, just because of the uncertainty that you navigate when trying to do so. I'm learning so much during this interview, so thank you so much for that. Um, really, just I've never, personally, I've never really, I guess thought about taking someone out to coffee because I was like, oh, maybe that's overstepping. Right? But, no, yeah, no, like, that, that's a genuine thing. It, it does. It does. Especially, so in Ventura County, Ventura County is very, we have a lot of esteemed female leaders and professionals in Ventura County. If you look at our executive team here at Ventura County, you would see phenomenal women. Our CEO is Dr. Savette Johnson the first African-American woman to ever be in the role here in Ventura County. She's phenomenal. We have three female board of supervisors. So Ventura County is very female leadership oriented. And when you're on LinkedIn and let's say you want to be an attorney, we have a lot of incredible female attorneys in Ventura County. So it could definitely be, you. it can definitely be kind of I guess, uncertain, or it could be kind of nerve wracking on how to navigate that, right? Let's say you're a first, a first gen Latino male, and you see, you see a female attorney that has all this experience, like, darn, I want to, I, I want to take her out for lunch. It could be very intimidating, right? Because yeah. like you said, Sophia, you don't know if you're overstepping, you don't know if you're being inappropriate, but you just want to learn, you know, or vice versa. If you're a young Latina, and you want to take out a male attorney, those gender dynamics, those power dynamics. Sometimes let's say, let's say you want to take a white attorney to lunch and you're a Latino. How do you navigate that? Right? What kind of questions will you ask? Will you even connect with them? Will yeah. you even be able to establish any sort of compatibility in that in that regard? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It, 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 it's it could it could definitely be very hard. It could. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely overwhelming. But in the end of the day, it's really just you lose out on all of the opportunities you don't take 
And I feel like I've been hearing that a lot lately. So you just driving that home and just saying to do it, that's, thank you for that. <laughs> it's like and Michael it's Scott says in the office, you, you miss every shot you don't take. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think once you really just get that through your head, it's a lot of door, you open a lot of doors, but you open them for yourselves because you're taking that extra step. So you're, you're in control of your future, you know? Certainly. Yep. Well yeah. said. Thank you. Thank you. So that actually wraps up that portion. So we'll now be going on to the first generation questions. Okay. So, okay. So how did you overcome challenges as a first generation student? So any challenges go into this um, and what strategies or support systems did you utilize to succeed? I see that that's a very, that's a very intuitive question, very deep one, I would say. I think as a first-gen student, a lot of the challenges I overcame was through sheer willpower. I, in truth, I feel I didn't really have a lot of support and you kind of have to be your own hype person. You kind of have to be your own motivation. You know, I had to be my own voice, you know, instead of talking down on myself, I had to encourage myself. I had to uplift myself. And I think that's very tough as a first-gen student. You know, so I think as a first-gen student, since our families haven't experienced that educational system or that type of field, especially trying to apply to a professional workplace there there I mean they, they just don't know you know you can't you can't blame them but sometimes you need support you know sometimes it's it's nice to have a family member or someone you can go to for that type of support but sometimes you just don't have it like let's say you get into something at work right it, it's I'm pretty sure it would be difficult for your tia, your tío to kind of relate to that, you know, because they might not have experience that they're like, well, you know, sé que decirte, mijo. you know what I mean? They'll tell you straight up. And it, it's, it's, I think as a first gen student, it's very underestimated how much self-determination and how much self-inspiration and how much perseverance a first generation student has. Sometimes they are their own support system. And I think as first-gen students, we need that support system. We need yeah. that person that we can confide in and that person that we can go to for guidance and, and support. And honestly, I think in, in addition to support, encouragement, encouragement. I, I think encouragement is such, it's such an art. And sometimes you don't have that. And sometimes you have to be your own encouragement. You know, if no one's going to hype you up, I guess you have no choice but to hype yourself up, right? And I think that was my challenge that I faced. I felt that I didn't really have much encouragement and not to knock on my immediate family, but I didn't. I didn't have much encouragement or support for my immediate family. But through getting involved in the community, my community and the friends that I built through that, they became my encouragement they became my support system. I developed so many great friends and connections. It's because of my involvement in the community, I met Carmen Ramirez. And Carmen was such a beacon of light and like such a, like a magnet of good. You know, I, I'll never forget when I first met her, when I first met her, 
and I went up to her to say hi, the first thing she told me was, Angel, I am so happy you are here. Like, who says that? <laughs> I just met someone. And because because for Carmen, that was was important to her to just see young people get involved. So me, a young Latino, to just go to say hi to our council member, she's just like, Angel, I'm so happy to see you. Like, that was so encouraging. That made me feel so welcome. And I, I think... I think that's I think that's something that's very important for first gen students having that support system, having that encouragement, and to have role models, especially ones that look like them, that will tell them, "Hey, it's okay. You can do this. Don't give up. Be that perseverance." Because as a first gen student, maybe they're not maybe they're not good at encouraging themselves. Maybe they're not good at motivating themselves. Sometimes you're just so drained, you, you, you can't, you, you can't inspire, you know, I, I remember one of my friends, Rabia, when she was giving a presentation to the board of supervisors, we have this thing called the moment of inspiration. She said something that I'll never forget. She says, it could be so difficult to inspire when you're not feeling inspired, right? So I think that's something that's very important for a first-gen student. And that's something, and that's why in my role, as long as I am here, if I see another first-generation student in need or if a student reach out, reaches out to me, I always make sure to encourage them, to motivate them, and to encourage them not to give up, to remain resilient, to main, remain resilient, to have that thick skin, and to continue persevering, you know? So it's, it's a grind, you know? It's a grind. Really, it's a, it is. It's a marathon, not a race, you know? Yeah, you just got um, to keep going. It's like they say in Spanish, right? Sigue echando ganas. <laughs> I think that's why our families say that, right? Because they don't know what else to say. So they're yeah. like, yeah, pues sigue echando ganas. It's like, okay, I guess that's all I can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you really do have a talent at encouraging other people and motivating them to just re remain resilient throughout everything, throughout the burnout throughout the stress and all of the stuff like that, that pursuing higher education and all of these other jobs on top of it. Because although the four years go by with the blink of an eye while you're in it, it's very, it's very long and it's very overwhelming. But you just gave me such an amazing response to that question. So that begs me to ask, what does being a first generation professional mean to you? I think it means a lot of responsibility. I think it means a lot of reflection, and I think it means being it, 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 a lot of weight. I think it also carries a lot of weight on your shoulders because you end up being, let's say you're a first-gen student and you have siblings. You have to, you then kind of sort of become the de facto role model for your siblings, and I think that's when your family starts putting pressure on you to kind of be that role model when sometimes you don't you don't ask you're not asking for that you're just trying to get by through the day to day you're just trying to get through your work you're just trying to get through your schoolwork you're just you're just trying to make it through the day and keep going so you can get to your education and then your career you know and it could be a lot you know it, it could be a lot to have that on your shoulders it's definitely not an easy journey but it's an it's a journey that's very much worth taking yeah, I couldn't agree more. Do you have siblings that you could relate for this to? I do. I have two younger sisters and 
one of them is not enthusiastic about school at all. She's had a very difficult education journey, much more difficult than mine. And I try to encourage her each and every day to continue it, continue it, to continue it. But it could be really hard to kind of reignite that enthusiasm, you know? So I try to find what's her passion and what's her what makes her enthusiastic and say, well, studying it, studying it. And I think... I think that that could that's the difficulty, right? I think sometimes us as first gen students, we kind of just go to school just to do our work and go home or yeah. work, right? I think sometimes it's difficult to to associate school with a place of learning. I think we sometimes forget academia is a place for growth. It's a place to learn. It's a place for professional development. I think once I change my mindset to that, CSUCI became a totally different environment for me. I remember when literally my before my first day of CSUCI, I dedicated a whole day to increase my focus. Be I, I literally deleted all my social media. I got rid of my Facebook. I lost like pictures from 2010. Bummer. But oh, well. So I, I, I deleted my Facebook. I deleted Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, everything. I had no social media for three plus years because I was that dedicated and focused to my education. I wanted to make sure that my time at CSUCI would be impactful so I can set myself up for the next steps because I messed up really bad at CSUN and I did not want to do that again. So I had to make sure that I am not going to mess around. I am going to give it my all. And that required significant focus, significant focus. So that's what I did to prepare myself so I can remain focused. And I think as a first gen, and, and, that's, and that was taking advantage of the resources around me, but also enjoying what I was learning. I, I think we as first gen students, we need to really dig deep, do some internal reflection and look inward and find out what drives us, what motivates us. Find out your why. When you find out your why, you can probably find out that you can study in that. You know what I mean? I really like the amount of first-gen students that I'm seeing getting, in, getting, getting involved in climate justice and environmental studies. I really like that. I really like seeing first-gen students like yourself that in, are involved in tech and computer science. I think that's phenomenal. I think that's great. That's something that we need. And, and it drives them. It gives them enthusiasm. And, and I think it's important to continue learning in that field and chasing that and to be in that field so you can put yourself in a trajectory to get there career-wise. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes, probably not a fault to their own, I think sometimes first-gen students put themselves in an academic path that equals money. And yeah. I don't think you should do that because if you do that, school becomes miserable. And when you look back at your education experience, you're like, I, I really didn't take much of it except just to get go somewhere where it makes money, right? It, it's I think it's very important to find out your why so that way you can study in it. And that's what, what makes education enjoyable. Because I do think sometimes students don't find education enjo enjoyable, hence why they don't want to pursue it after high school. Like after high school, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. And I don't think that's, I don't, for me, at, at least, I don't think that's, that's good. Because I think 
that education is the best ticket to wealth. And sure, yes, I definitely think I'm I'm in full support of trades. I'm in full support of other methods of education. But nonetheless, I think education is the best ticket, best segue to help to wealth and to success. And if not, your degree is something no one can ever take away from you. And it equals personal growth and personal development. Yeah, thank you for touching base on that. And I feel like that was kind of a rant. Sorry if I went on. No, that was that was brilliant. I think I think I went in way too much on that. My bad. (laughs) No, 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 that was brilliant. I had like so many questions coming into my brain right now, because um, that was you just touched base on so many important factors that tie into that about what being a first gen student means to you, and that that was such a brilliant, well thought out answer for especially for being on the spot because that that was a pretty deep question um it was was, a deep question yeah yeah um there was one thing in particular that actually this isn't a question on on my little script but you mentioned that you deleted social media and um I also did that for the same reasons um however I'm having like a personal I'm personally having difficulty like staying in tune to everything going on on campus or just any opportunity so how did you like fight with that like how did you go over that that that's a great question Sophia because I experienced the same thing I experienced the same thing and and yes it it sucks because you do miss out on a lot of information when you're not on social media That's why I have really learned about the value of Facebook, especially within community. Everyone puts the big events on Facebook in in your community, all the volunteer opportunities, all of that is on is on Facebook. Instagram, I think to a certain extent, I feel it's not as effective of community building like Facebook, especially when it comes to your community, but staying engaged right to what's around you. I, it sounds very trivial, but it the flyers, the flyers, I think the 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 flyers and the bulletin boards, those are helpful. And I feel it's like a dying thing, but it's important. I do think it's important. I mean, think of engagement, right? When you put something out there, you always think of it quantitatively and wonder, okay, what does the engagement, if I put this much into it, what's going to be the output engagement that I get from that, right? And for students like you and I that deleted our social media, if we're going to class and we just see a flyer for a career resource fair, that's two students that saw that and are not going to it. So I think just those students and enough is good engagement and good output, right? And and so I think that just kind of just maneuvering through campus and seeing flyers and seeing bulletin boards. I remember too, as a student, I'd walk around a lot too. I would walk around a lot. I would just, I'd just explore, you know? <laughs> I would just kind of see like what was around the bell tower. So I would go to bell tower and I would just like walk into like a room, be like, hey, what is this? <laughs> I know it sounds kind of weird, but I that's how I learned about what was around me, you know? Yeah. And I that's how I learned about the that's how I learned where EOP is. And of course I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I, I didn't sign up for that, but I also learned what the dream center, right? That place yeah. where you can study and print. 
I learned about that just from walking around. Mm -hmm. And and also, and this is where I also think it's key, is having the resources go to you. Have the resources go to you. As someone who works in government, I think that's one of the most effective ways to engage your audience or to engage your targeted on audience. Bring it to them. We call it a warm handoff. You know what I mean? Instead of just putting the information out there and directing them to the website, nah, bring it to them, especially for the first for first gen students. We need that initial engagement. We need that initial impression. And a lot of this information I took in without social media was the resources that were brought to me. You know what I you know what I would do? Or, or you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think I I think that's what's what's very valuable you know i think csuci and teachers should continue doing that bring the resources to their students bring someone from a certain resource at the university to the class or something from outside of the university have them bring it to the class and have that connection and engagement you know what i mean especially for students like you and i that don't have socials i have my socials now but for you currently, I, I think that's that's a very effective way of staying plugged in to what's around you. Yeah, um, thank you for that. I Yeah, because that was always a personal struggle for me. And I do like re-download it like maybe once a week just to make sure I'm, I'm caught up with everything. But yeah. flyers do play a major role. Like you literally said the example that happened to me last semester with the Career Center, um, the Career Fair and just all of those tables lined up. That's how I knew about it. Um, but also about bringing, bringing the resource to them. I definitely didn't even think about that. However, like reflecting back on my jobs on campus, there's so many, like the career center came to our job and that, that inspired me to, I'm going to go spruce up my resume right now with what I now know. Like I'm going to go write myself a cover letter and go apply to here. So you definitely, you're so right there. So thank you so much for that. Of course, you're welcome. Um, so I did go off track there, my personal question. However, just to go back on, how did your experience as a first generation humanities student shape your understanding of your own identity and cultural heritage? Ooh, yeah. that's really deep. These questions Dang. are getting deeper. It is, they, they are. Can you repeat that question again, please? Absolutely, yes. Um, how did your experience as a first-generation humanities student shape your understanding of your own identity and cultural heritage? Mm. So, like, in what ways did your first-generation background relate to the subjects you studied um, within your field, and how did it impact your academic pursuits? I see. And you can take all the time you would very, like. Yeah, that's a very in-depth question very in-depth. Hmm. I think what I would say to that is, I think as a first-gen student, when you take your courses, you're just taking them, right? You're just taking them and learning what you will from them. I feel depending on what your field of study is, you may not feel that it relates so much to you culturally speaking, right? especially in humanities. I think this may differ from those that are Chicano studies majors, but for business majors or communication majors, science majors, 
I think you may not find so much relation to your own culture or your own identity. Um, I, you, you know, I don't think my, my course of studies really impacted me in that regard so much. I, I do think it's a struggle for some first-gen students to want in terms of identity, right? Like, are they Latino enough? Mm -hmm. How Latino are you? You know, I think sometimes we we gatekeep our culture too much, yeah. you know, or we're we're too hard amongst our fellow Latinos because they're not Latino enough or stuff. Like, we even have terms for that. Like, oh, you're very fresa. Like, come on, dude. Like, they're yeah, they're just navigating through life. Don't be so hard on them, you know. So that's a very in-depth question, but I feel like I can't really provide that good of an answer to that because when throughout my my courses of study, I I never, I don't think I really looked at it as sort of an identity thing, you know, mm -hmm. or it made me question my identity or did I, or if I found it very relatable because in communication, I think we focus on the art of connection and then the art of communication and organize in organizations maybe perhaps in terms of language maybe if you're a first-gen student that your first language is Spanish maybe that could be very difficult maybe if you're a first-gen student that's of indigenous indi of indigenous background like mixteco zapateco that I, I could see how that can definitely be a challenge in maneuvering that to be accustomed to that type of communication style and culture. I mean, the the culture that we're kind of being trained on is very Western. It's very colonized, you know, especially in terms of hair. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, for example, I, I know it doesn't look like it, but I actually have curls. I, I just felt like combing it today. I didn't feel like doing my curls. I think even expressing your 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 features mm -hmm. as a person of color and then going into the workplace I think that could definitely be accepting for I think that could definitely be difficult to navigate for some especially based on what type of hair you have or yeah. the way you dress I, I definitely think that could be a factor as well that's that's a really good question I think I'm pretty fortunate in my experience to not have experience that difficulty you know I mean I am a fluent Spanish speaker my in my first language is Spanish but I I didn't I would say that I didn't face that type of obstacle in my personal experience yeah I don't know why maybe it's because of not learning how to navigate that space for my community work or I was just so I was just so driven by my mission of development and getting that degree. Maybe I didn't think of that. I don't know that. I think my final answer to that question is I don't know because I I didn't experience it. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> That's I a know. really good question though. That's so in depth. Like, I feel like that really makes you look inward. Yeah, it's very, that's, you have to really, really go in tune with yourself and just yeah. reflect on your whole journey and how that did impact you. And I know your answer was that I don't know, but the previous answer that you provided before that I don't know was very in depth. And I think that that answer in its own was very good and brilliant. So 
I think you did answer the question. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. But yeah, just take information from the other one, put it on here. <laughs> <laughs> and I promise we only have a few more questions. Um, take your time. All good. Um, okay. So how did your financial considerations impact your decision to pursue college as a first generation student? So of course, if you're not comfortable with addressing this, that's totally okay. So um, like maybe some things to think about would be, did you face any financial obstacles? How did you manage them? And were there any scholarships, grants, or financial aid opportunities? Great question, Sophia. I would say I didn't experience, I am very fortunate to not have experienced that much financial barriers. Although I was in debt for my time at CSUN, my student loan payments were on pause because my income was so low. I didn't have to make payments. If you, I think it's really good that we do this, that our federal government does this, that if your income is at a certain level, you don't have to make payments, but the interest still gathers. So it increases. So that's the only downside. But I don't think I faced that many significant barriers. I was living with my with my family at the time, so I didn't have to worry so much about, about housing. I did have to pay bills. I, I helped out with utilities. I had my own personal expenses, but I, I was pretty much working almost a full-time job at the time at CSUCI. Like, um, like I had mentioned previously, I was a delivery driver for Toppers, and it was actually a pretty decent paying gig. I mean, for a college student, it's a great it's a great gig, but I did have to pay a lot for gas and maintenance on my car. And I think what helped me save a lot was I never paid in my two years at CSUCI, I never paid for a parking permit. Never, never, oh. never. That saved me so much money because I, I I took advantage of public transit. Mm -hmm. Every day at CSUCI, I would drive to Oxford College, park my car in the neighborhood at Oxford College, and then take the bus to CSUCI and then would take it back. So on the days where I was running super late, I would drive to Camarillo and go to that one bus stop right there. I think that, is it Lewis? Yeah, it's on Lewis. And I would take that bus to CSUCI, vice versa. If I was really, really, really running late, then I would buy those $2 permits for the day. But yeah. I never paid the year parking passes oh. ever. And I I think that definitely helped out. Um, I didn't, I was, I never, it's interesting. It, and it's very interesting, but I'm very lucky I've been able to make it this far. I never applied for a scholarship in my life. Really? Yeah, I never did. I think because I was never eligible for it, my GPA sucked. My GPA sucked. I because of because of my of my lack of enthusiasm originally at CSUN and and at Ventura College, my GPA sucked. It took me years, years to to get it above a two point something. Mm -hmm. I think when I ended at CSUCI, my CSUCI GPA was like a 3.9. But my overall had just got to a 3.0. It was like at a low two point something for years. And that made me ineligible for a lot of scholarships. I also didn't really, I also didn't know how to look for scholarships. I never pursued 
the grants and financial aid did help me. Not a lot. I did have to take out some loans. Thankfully, not many. Majority of my debt, I would say over 80% of my debt comes from that one year at CSUN. If there's one thing I would have changed in my academic journey, I would have never gone to CSUN. I would have gone straight to a community college. I would have saved so much money, so yeah. much money. And so I would say I was pretty fortunate in my academic experience, especially at CI as a first-gen student to not have experienced so much financial barriers. I had my family support with housing and in groceries, but I also had a job that could pay for my personal expenses while also helping out my family with rent and groceries and taking advantage of my resources with public transportation. And what else? And I think just being just being conscious of my spending and being careful of my spending, I, I think is what is what helped me and 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 had and the financial support that I did get from from, from FAFSA. And I think it's also good too that CUCI is not very expensive yeah. as well. I think I think I think that's why it's great for us residents that live here in Ventura County. We, because it's a commuter school, we don't have to pay for for dorms or housing. Because when you do pay for housing, that's when it can get really tough. It can yeah. be really tough. I mean, for me as a working professional, and I do pretty well, affording housing is still very much an obstacle. And when you're a student, ooh, that's that's next level. And as a first gen, on top of that, I can't imagine that. But I'm pretty fortunate in my journey that I didn't face two significant financial challenges. Yeah, like you said, everything adds up, especially as a first-generation college student, just a college student at that. So mm -hmm. you're, you utilizing public transportation is brilliant. I on I actually dorm on campus. Um, oh, wow. I, yeah, very. Are you not originally from Ventura County, Sophia? No, actually, it's kind of funny. CSUN is my home CSU. So CSUN's like 20 minutes away from me. What? Why aren't you going to, why aren't you going to CSUN then? Is I there a program at CI that brought you here? I'm sorry? Is there a program that brought you to CSU CI instead of going to CSUN? Well, I loved, I love that there was a business school. Well, that was one. However, the second was, I'm sure you, I'm sure you know, CSUN is very, a very large school. And I just loved um, how small C, uh, CSUCI was, just the overall environment. I visited a couple of times during COVID, so um, I genuinely did fall in love with the place. Um, but yeah, I dorm on campus, so I definitely know what you're talking about in terms of just navigating how to pay for all of this. Um, so thank you for your input on that as well. Um, I thought oh, it was wow. really cool that you went to CSUN. <laughs> yeah, how fascinating. That I, I think it's really cool that even though CSUN is your home campus, you found something at CSUCI that drew you to there and ended up making your final choice to attend there instead of CSUN. I think that really demonstrates your work ethic because CSUN does have a college life, you know, mm -hmm. and depending on how you engage in that, that could be a factor in pursuing your education, if you catch my drift. <laughs> and I think that's what's good about CSUCI is, although there's some presence of a college life, 
it's not so much so that it will steer you away you, from steer you away yes beautifully said steer you away of pursuing your education i think that's what's good about it it's like a really it's like excuse my language but it's a good place to get your shit done it really yeah. is I totally agree and a lot of the people there just at least a lot of the people I know are usually out within the first four or five years of them being there so I I don't want to spend any more money than I need to so I that's a big reason why I also went there as well and of course I have to say there's just so much green everywhere and you're by the beach so you can't you can't beat that right you know what's funny though Sophia is one of our former presidents for CSUCI who was phenomenal at her time at CSUCI Dr. Erica Beck she was president while I was at CI mm -hmm. she, she did so good at CSUCI Northridge took her from us so wow. yeah yeah so currently Dr. Erica Beck who's the former president of CSUCI is now the president at CSUN but we're very fortunate to have Dr. Yao. I think Dr. Yao is awesome. I have really enjoyed working with him and connecting with him. But I think it, it I think it is pretty funny, you know. I think even if you would have chosen CSUN, you probably depend. I mean, you seem someone that has a really good work ethic and is very engaged. You probably would have connected with Dr. Beck at some point. So you still would have gotten a taste of CSUCI without going there. But I think that I think that's great. I think as a Venturi County resident and as someone who's in this field at the county government working with our education to attract more students, I think it's great that you, someone outside of Venturi County, saw something beneficial in our local university and you, and brought yourself here. And I hope that in navigating your academic journey and hopefully if you get involved in the community, you can stay and add to our community of yeah. Ventura County because that's the goal of a university, right? Sometimes when you attend that university, you fall in love with the community and you're like, man, this is pretty cool. I might just stay here. So hopefully you'll consider that. Exactly. Thank and you. I know a lot of people who have gone to CSUCI stay in Camarillo. And even a lot of people who are even from around like where I stay, um, they also go to CSUCI and alumni have stayed in Camarillo, Ventura and are just made a made a life for themselves out there. So I definitely think you guys are doing something totally oh, right. <laughs> that's fantastic. I'm glad. <laughs> OK, so we're actually I told you that we had three portions, three factors, components within this. However, we actually have one more. OK, and it's called the advice portion. So I'm just going to be picking your brain for advice. And so the first question, what advice would you give to other students or future professionals who may share the same experience as you? Okay. I really like that there's this segment going on because I have gone through a lot in my, in my professional journey. I would say my advice is definitely persevere and stay resilient when looking for a job. It, I think looking for a job is definitely an important part of our lives and a job is an important part of our lives. And as students, we are preparing ourselves to get into the workforce. So definitely remain resilient. Keep Don't give up on the interviews. If you get an interview and it didn't go your well, so be it. Try again. Don't give up. Keep taking advantage of the resources at your college. Do what you need to do to prepare for that. I will say this, though. Once you get your job and you feel you're at a good place in your life, there's going to come a time when you don't feel so fulfilled. And I think as first-gen students, 
we put so much emphasis in our jobs and there's so much more to life than just a job. Yeah. And I think we have our jobs define us. And I think there's more to us as humans than our job. And I think it's important to not forget yourself in that career journey. You know, I, I'm a big advocate of self-care, take care of yourself, exercise, read, meditate, go to the beach, hike, get therapy, whatever you need to do. Self-care, take care of yourself. Number two, do something outside of work, build hobbies, build mindful and healthy habits, go to a salsa class, take martial arts, take ceramics, take pottery, take painting, do something else that adds value to your life. Don't put so much value and emphasis on your job. Just don't do it. Don't. But granted, this is only if you're like in like mid, mid, I would say this is like mid game of your, of your, um, of your career path, you know, definitely put in all that energy and passion and looking for it. But once you're there, don't forget about yourself. I think that's advice I would give. I put I put so much into my job and I've been through so much in my job. I mean, uh, a death of a very good friend and boss. Um, the, our organization has gone through significant change in the three years that I've been here. The county that I've been here when I, when I first started is so different than where it is now. And that could definitely take a toll on you. And that's why I think it's important to take care of yourself. Do, do things outside of work. Don't put so much emphasis on your work. Put emphasis on yourself. Don't forget about your friends. Don't forget about your family. Don't forget about yourself. And those are all so important. You know, don't forget where you came from. And don't, don't forget about the ones who supported you to get where you are and practice love, practice kindness. That, that's I, I, I think sometimes we get so caught up in this machine of capitalism and having to work and support ourselves that we lose sight of ourselves and that can be very damaging. And I think it's important to take care of yourself, take care of your loved ones, take care of your body. And, but, and, and yeah, just, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Don't forget about taking in this journey of success, in this journey of getting that job, don't forget to take care of yourself because it could definitely be difficult, definitely be difficult. Yeah, you can easily get burnt out that way, too, if you just don't if you just don't prioritize yourself. So thank you for that. And then lastly, lastly, um, this is very similar to the previous question, but a bit different. Mm -hmm. If you could give your your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? Mm. Great question. I think if I could go back in time and tell my younger self something, I would probably tell him to get his shit together. <laughs> <laughs> I I was not the brightest when I was young. I fooled around a lot. I I was not focused. I I was very much a class clown and I was not, I was very irresponsible. I would definitely tell my younger self to get to get your shit together, stop messing around and stay focused and don't forget where you came from 
and and remain focused, remain goal oriented, and and don't mess up the opportunities when it when a door opens for you, go through it, take advantage of the opportunities, take advantage of what's around you, and take care of yourself. I think that's what I would tell my younger person, my younger self. That was beautifully put. That was amazing. Yeah. Um. So with that, that is actually that concludes it. And I thank you so much for your time and just your thorough answers. Your answers were amazing. So thank you so much for that as well. Um, but that does conclude it. So it was a pleasure to meet you and just to hear your story. It was such an inspirational story. And I will be taking out so much from it, from the style, the book about style to just all of that networking advice that you also gave to not only me, but to the viewers, whoever will be listening to this. So Thank you kindly for that. You got you got it. Likewise, Sophia. It was great getting to know you and meeting you. Thank you so much for interviewing me and thinking of me. I, I hope I was helpful. And in addition, I want you to know that I hope you can view me as a resource. If there's any additional questions that you would like answered, or if there's any way I can help guide you in this journey of yours, let me know. I am happy to help you in any way that I can in my current capacity. More than welcome to connect with me in whatever manner makes you comfortable. And yeah, I'm happy to be a resource and help you any way that I can, Sophia. This was a really good conversation. Yes, thank so you much. so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that so much. Okay, so I do hope you have an amazing rest of your day and and that 5 p.m. rolls around very quickly for you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. Adios, Sophia. Have a good one. Bye, you too. People, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the First Generation Professionals podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and found it as enlightening and inspiring as I did. Angel Garcia's journey stands as a testament to the fact that through unwavering determination, diligent work, and a strong support network, individuals from any background can overcome hardships and achieve their goals. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review, sharing it with your friends and even your colleagues. Together, we can continue to celebrate the remarkable stories of first-generation professionals who have paved the way for future generations. I hope you have a great rest of your day.